0: Welcome to Ellen the Great Podcast. I'm Ellen Winjero, and I am conquering the unknown one episode at a time. Today, I am joined by a guest whose story I think is worth sharing. She made a very bold move and decided to travel To nine countries. No real plan of where she was going to go. It just kind of happened as it happened. And I think that's worth sharing. As you can imagine, the unknown element of going into a situation, into a room, into a state, into a country comes or may come with a lot of fear. So I am fascinated by her journey, uh, what led her down that path, and uh, how she conquered the unknown and and found herself on the other side of the known. I am joined by Lena Mwangi. Wait, is it okay to give your whole government? You're not wanted in any states or countries, right?
1: No, I'm totally good. Don't worry. You're good. And (laughs) even if I was, I'm not there anyway, so it's Okay.
0: So before we get this party started, where in the world is Carmen San Diego right now? Like, what part of the continent are you in at this moment? Right now, I'm in Nairobi, Kenya. Okay, and what is life during COVID-19 there like
1: right now? It doesn't really feel like we're affected much. People are still kind of moving about pretty semi freely, except with masks. Um, I've do feel like you do see less people on the street, but generally, I think our numbers are still pretty low. So, you know, the African way is like, if we don't got it, we don't see it, (laughs) we can't touch it, it's not affecting our food, you know, we still going to work. So things still kind of look the same and people are really pushing against all like the government lockdowns and curfews because you know a Kenyan got a drink so of <laughs> they out there in their illegal bars doing oh whatever they got to do. What are you doing to stay sane? Meditation has like given me life. I have to say it has made me more tolerable because I feel like I would drive everybody else nuts.
0: Okay so that's a good thing then. Okay.
1: Yes. Um, running. Like, I need to exercise. I need to, I need air. I think I was blessed to be stuck in Kenya during COVID because, Mm. like, where I am is, it's beautiful. It's green. There's, like, a small forest up there. I get to see monkeys every day jumping around. Like, it's just, it's a blessing just to be somewhere where I'm not cooped up in an apartment or something or staring outside a window looking just at buildings, you know? (laughs) I have a yard to go sit under a beautiful jacaranda tree, you know, and just chill. So it feels good. It feels good, honestly. I'm
0: jealous. I'm a little jealous of that because I'm stuck in
1: an apartment. Yeah, man, be jealous.
0: (laughs) 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 I'm living vicariously through you. Um, So the reason I wanted to have you on is because I think you are part of the Black Girl Unicorn Club. And I say that to say you have traveled to nine countries by yourself in the last two years. And I can only imagine what you've observed, what you've learned, and what's transformed you, what has transformed you through those travels. And so from November 18 to March 20,
1: where have you been? So... November 2018, I quit my job and I went to Mexico because the flight was cheap. Okay. And I said, you know what? It's the quickest getaway. And I really did not, I did not have a plan. (laughs) I said to myself, you know what? Love Mexico and love Central America. I'll just continue going south. But for some reason, while I was in Mexico, I saw a really cheap plane ticket to Egypt. Something in my, I think, in the back of my mind was like, Lena, you got to go home. You need to figure out a way to get home. Kenya, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know why that was like really in the back of my mind. So I just started Googling and Egypt popped up. And I said, oh, Egypt is next right there. It's a hop, skip and a jump. So I spent two months in Mexico and then I hate New Year's for some reason. Mm. Um, So I just hopped on a New Year's Eve flight and I landed in Cairo on New Year's Day. And I have to say, it was probably the best decision I've ever made in my life.
0: Okay, let's stop there. Let's go back just a tad. What made you
1: quit your job? I think it was a number of things. You know, corporate America is a grind. Um, I worked in the luxury um, beauty industry. Great company, but I think after a while, it just kind of wears on you corporate America and um, I didn't see myself heading in the trajectory that I thought I was that I thought I would be going within the company okay and so I said to myself what am I doing and I think I got tired of hearing myself complain <laughs> so at that point I was like you know what you need to do something and I remember turning to my my best friend Veronica my roommate at the time and she said Lena you have something you want to do right now And there's nothing like stopping you from doing anything you want to do. She's like, so just do it. So in the back of my mind, I was like, you know what, I've always wanted to to just take time off and just travel. And, you know, I think when you start working, money's an issue. And then I was like, you know what? I've been saving for what I thought would be my first home. And for some reason, I just felt like this was, was the experience I wanted to have. And I think a few months before I quit my job, I met my friend, one of my other best friends in Bali. Like we met in Thailand. We hung out in Bali for about a month. And she was kind of like on like a six month hiatus from work. And she said to me before the end of the trip, she said, I was like, yo, I don't want to go. She was like, so why are you leaving? And I Mm -hmm. did not have an answer. And then at that point, I I knew I was like, yo, I just, I'm going back. I'm going to give this a couple months and I'm quitting my job. So I just went back, I sized the situation up. And then within a couple months, I was just like, handed in my resignation, left on good terms, Loved the people, loved the company, but it was just time.
0: And so in, in knowing that it was time, did fear
1: play a part in making that decision? I'm always scared. Uh, <laughs> I'm always scared. Uh, I think it's probably... One of my weaknesses, like I walk with a, a specific level of fear about a lot of things, <laughs> Right. but I tend to make really bold moves when mm. I really feel like it. And I knew at the point where I said it out loud to more than like three people. And then I said it to my mother. I was like, now nah, I committed to that. <laughs> and once I say something, I'm like, I'm never going, to, I don't really go back on my word ever. So I knew once I said it to like a certain amount of people I had to execute so just just happened
0: (laughs) so what was the time frame uh, from making that definitive decision to Mexico
1: I think it was about four months
0: and did you know before you got to Mexico that you were going to stay there for a month or that just kind of happened naturally
1: I booked a one-way I think I was there for just under eight weeks so it was like close to two months so I mean, I, I really didn't know. I just knew there was a certain amount of time. I said I wanted to be back for Christmas to pack up my, my stuff from my, my previous place. So I just said, hey, we're just gonna ride out. So I started in <laughs> started in Playa del Carmen and I made my way east, hopped around a bit, and, you're, to Mexi- and Mexico. And you're doing City. this dolo. Yeah.
0: Was that frightening? And I I imagine it was, but like what level of frightening was that? Give us some context.
1: <laughs> so I'd never stayed in a hostel before. Ever. Okay. Like closest I've ever been to a hostel is a dorm room. And that's a very, to me, a comfortable situation um, in comparison to sleeping every night with different people, yeah. people moving in and out. Like, I'm like, I don't know you. I don't trust you. Like, what's going on? But I found this really cute place and it made me feel comfortable. And it was like a chain of, of uh, hostels. Really quickly, for people who don't know what a hostel is, can you break it down? So a hostel is, it's basically like a dormitory for travelers, right? People moving in and out and you have 20 bed dorm rooms, right? So you got mm. 20 different people sleeping in a dorm with you. Um, sometimes it's 10, eight, four. You can make your, choose your options. Some hostels do have like private rooms, but basically it's like a hotel for travelers. Very inexpensive. It can go down to like maybe $4 a night. So it works depending upon your taste. So it was a good way for me to kind of stretch my dollars and meet people. So this particular place was really cool. It was really hip. They had like a nice bar. It was in a central area close to the beach. I literally could like step out and take like a three minute walk and get to the beach. So it was perfect for me.
0: What's the most memorable thing or what moved you about that experience in
1: Mexico, if anything? I don't know. I think it was just a really easy starting place. I don't think there was anything particular about the place that moved me because I have I've been to Cancun before a few times. OK, so I said, you know what, that might not be all of Mexico, but I feel like I was like, you know what, let's see it. I want to eat. I love me some tacos. So it just <laughs> it worked. <laughs> it gave me an opportunity to practice my Spanish. I sat in a classroom for like three or four weeks in a little desk with my Wow my teacher Manuel and he would you know walk through some you know simple phrases and stuff so it was nice.
0: So you hop on a flight get to Egypt then what?
1: I mean when I got there it was it was like late morning and I mean if I showed you the view from the place that I stayed I stayed in Giza at a little um, bed and breakfast and The owner was there, and he's a really nice guy, very cute. So he takes me up to the rooftop, hands me the shisha. He goes, just chill, like just sit down and chill. He hands me the shisha. He hands me a cup of tea. He said, we don't really drink around here. Um, We did yesterday because it was New Year's, but he's like, we don't really drink, you know, Muslim country. So I sat on the rooftop, and literally I look up, and I have this perfect, pristine view of the pyramids. And I was like, I'm in the right freaking place. I was just like, I made a good decision. I'm good. (laughs) And so how long did you stay in Egypt? So I was only supposed to be there four days. And then (laughs) it turned into 16. What made that change? What made that happen? Well, the owner of the place was really cool. And I made friends with like a few other people at the, um, at the little bed and breakfast. And they were just like, just stay. We're going to take a trip to the coast. We're mm-hmm. going to, what is it called? Uh, Sharm el-Shek. There you okay. go. So it was like, we're taking a road trip to Sharm el-Shek. And I'm like, I look at a map and I say, a road trip to Sharm el-Shek from Giza. <laughs> What's that look like? Bro, you got to <laughs> travel through the Suez. That crap was like 13 hours of driving what? overnight. I was like, what? I don't know what in my mind like what level of naivete like I had or like I don't know what was going on I think I was just like doing it that's it we made a decision and for some reason I don't know like I felt like um, a level of kinship with the people I had met so we were really cool and I don't know I just felt like I kind of felt like I was home Mm. they really made an effort to make me feel like I was at home and I was just like I'm good.
0: Was it difficult getting used to the culture or that came naturally?
1: I think Egypt is a different beast. Like right. when you're walking around Cairo, people are pretty aggressive. I got all the warnings. I hated to all the warnings. Like people are going to try to sell you everything. They kind to try to befriend you. They're going to try to um, yeah. lead you into their shop and make you buy stuff. So I was just like, I'm pretty no-nonsense when it comes to certain things. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I think I was good. And I felt, like I said, I felt like I was at home. Something about, like, the people I met, like, hanging out with them on a regular basis, you know, sort of the community that was formed even within the bed and breakfast was really nice. So the people, the travelers who were in and out were just, some people were there for, like, I'm staying for three months, like, so you're constantly eating breakfast with the same people. So it was kind of nice. So you you embark on this 13-hour ride. It was funny because I'm in the car with an Italian who lost her passport. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And I'm in a car with and and the driver, his name was Ibrahim. He was Egyptian. I think he was the cousin to the owner of the the bed and breakfast. And he's driving. He's like, I'm cool. We had some hash. Okay. Good for the ride. Okay. (laughs) Hash, (laughs) we had music. I think the only issue was there were so many stops and I was the American in the car. So for some reason, they kept checking for me at every checkpoint. Oh, Do you have her? We're calling you. Where are you? Like they took Ibrahim's they took telephone number and they were like, where's she at? For some reason, I was thinking it was because of Trump's relationship with the president of Egypt, honestly. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I was like, okay. I don't know what's going on there. It just felt like there was something above me, you know? Wow. I don't know. But literally, they made sure I got to... That's where awesome. I was supposed to go, right? They went no problem. So yeah. So you
0: get to your destination, and then what?
1: And it was amazing. The ocean there is beautiful. It's pristine water. The beaches were amazing. Like we stayed in, um, like a small hotel in Dahab. I suggest everybody go to Dahab because um, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful place. There's tons of Israelis there partying it up, but. It's, <laughs> I felt like it was something, I was like, yo, this is like a kept secret. Like,
0: cool. I didn't even know about
1: this. <laughs> wow. So it was nice. It it was it was beautiful. I mean, we did a lot of, like, I have to say, like I said, like, Ibrahim was like an ama- amazing, like, I, c- I can say like, he's probably the best host I've ever had across any country I've been in because he drove us everywhere. He fed us. I've never eaten so well. Like, wow. talk about spreads. To that point, we were just like, we're staying an extra four days. So I called (laughs) the Airways and was like, I need to extend my flight. And that was it. I was there an extra couple of days.
0: (laughs) The freedom of it all just gives me goosebumps. And so you go on this 13-hour ride, you get to your destination, you come back to your original place, and then you stay an extra four days?
1: I stayed... Well, we stayed at the beach probably an extra, like, three days. And then I left them there. Like, we drove back. Ended up driving back with some Serbians. (laughs) (laughs) Which is interesting. Yeah. The Italian girl stayed because her bae showed up. So now it was me, Ibrahim, and, like, two Serbs driving back. But they (laughs) were so dope, these two. One was an architect. The other one, he was, like, um... I don't know, he was a level of entrepreneurial, but he actually started like a kayaking business somewhere out there and like just really, really nice people. I like loved talking to them. It was amazing because they traveled from South Africa all the way up to Egypt, right? Mm. And here I am going down. Right. So and I'm at the start of my trip. So I was like, give me everything you know about Uh like where you've been. So they had crazy stories. So it was just 13 hours of like nonstop talking.
0: This is a movie in the making, you know, this is, this is your version of eat, pray, love, but maybe (laughs) we we switch up those words a little bit and come up with something a little bit more creative. Seriously. So, I mean, what's popping in Egypt?
1: Egypt? I didn't go out in Egypt. Like I felt like I stayed basically most of the time in Giza. If I went to Cairo, it was mainly like during the day or Alexandria did some day trips, but like I didn't really have a motivation when I was there to go out. I felt like I was um relearning sixth grade history all over again mm. in person. So that excited me more than going out and having a drink. Gotcha. Yeah. And I think even being around I think the the Muslim culture and in like such a immersive way. Yeah. Was kind of nice too because I feel like, I mean, I have Muslim friends back home, but for some reason I was like, I feel like people have misconceptions about definitely the religion overall, and you know, just to move through Africa and understand what it looks like there, just felt like a different experience to me.
0: Okay, so you exist in Egypt. Your next
1: move is what? Is where? Hop on a flight to Kenya, to the origin, home, home, Yumbari. Yeah, I mean, I was excited to get here. Honestly, I was really excited. I was sad to leave Egypt, but I was excited to get here.
0: Um, now, how only- long how long had it been since you'd been back to Kenya?
1: Um, we were here in 2017, but it, to me, this was like a different experience because mm. when you come here over the years, you come to go to Shags, which mm-hmm. is like your village, right? Mm-hmm. And you come to kind of maybe do a safari and visit your cousins in Nairobi, right? But it felt like such a big opportunity for me to to see the country in a different way, like I get to roam free. Nobody can tell me anything. I'm not on a schedule. I'm not mm. on a timeline, you know? So I just gave myself the freedom to wander. And it felt really good because at least I had a home base here in Nairobi. And also getting to, ni- getting to know Nairobi differently. Like, you come- I feel like I come here, like, partied hard. But <laughs> in Nairobi, like, it just feels like you come here and you drink your face to the floor and then you leave. Right. Like, so I really just wanted to feel and understand the dynamic of everything. Kind of just wander about, get on a matatu without mm-hmm. a bus. is a bus. Get on a matatu, like, without anybody bothering me or harassing me. Just getting off and getting on whatever I felt, you know. It felt good. And how long did you stay in Kenya? You know, in my mind, when I left home, I was like, I'm going to be back by April 2019. I'm going to be back. I'm going to get back on the grind. I'm going to get a job. That was, that was the plan. Yeah. Nope. When I got to Kenya, I said, I've been here a month and I've barely seen, like, you know how big our family is, right? Yeah. yeah, You know how big it is. And then there's my mom's side of the family, which is double that. (laughs) Double dads, right? It's double dads. So I think I just really wanted to give myself the opportunity to just spend time with people too, because I felt like it's so important for me Like my parents, to give you background, right? My parents don't come here unless it's an emergency or someone has passed away. Vacation don't exist. And I have never, ever been here with the both of them together. So for me, it's so important to establish and nurture my own relationships here. Because if I don't do that, then I'm going to lose my tie when they're not here. Wow. So I felt like a month. I was like, no, it's not enough. I had a three-month visa, so I stayed three months. Love it. Now is that. And so what was life like in in Kenya? Did you uh, start planning your own roots? I did. I think I've had a lot of conversations with like cousins, aunts, uncles, like I think they kind of understand like why I'm here, like me asking all kinds of questions, learning new things about my parents, like Mm. even just to understand my mom's childhood nickname, like you know, simple small things that just like you're like wow like things that really shape you. The details. Like, I, yeah the, the details like I feel like there's so much I don't know that yeah. isn't really told and also you know my understanding of Kenyan history has totally changed mm-hmm. when you get the opinions of people from western from eastern from coast like you just pull it all together and it just it sounds different it feels different you know.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but I wandered I wandered that coast real good, I'm sorry sure <laughs> i was, I'm legitimately chasing water, so mm-hmm. I was wandering that coast, man. We have a beautiful coastline. It's probably one of my favorite parts of this country.
0: Um, so the tail end of Kenya now, I guess you're thinking about, all right, my next move. what walked me through making the decision to get to the next spot?
1: I actually was just looking at the cheapest flight to get the hell out of there. <laughs> <laughs> is that real? like i really work on cost you know i was just like ooh, okay okay where's next right where can i go <laughs> so and for some reason i like i said i was chasing i chase bodies of water i need to be near water it makes me feel zen mm. it makes me whole it it's the best place for lena to be like after this i need to live near water right so I said, we're going to Lake Malawi. And when I was on the coast of Kenya, I met a really awesome group of people. And I think it was probably one of the best experiences I've had. And in, in, it was in Diani Beach. Everybody go to Diani. Everybody go to Lamu, because Lamu will change your life. So yeah, this group of people, um, it was me, an Italian dude who had been biking the world for eight years. I met another guy from california who had just decided he was going to start traveling and he was on a whole two-year situation um there's just like a those are the two that stand out because i still keep in contact with them and i met them both after we left coast and they came back to nairobi we all met out and hung out and had drinks and dinner and stuff like this so and i had a lot of very like hanging around like that group of people. Mm-hmm. It was just a very like intimate experience, even though you're just like having walks on the beach and having lunches together. The conversations were like, so in depth. And, you know, I think you get this freedom when you meet new people that you can just say anything, you know, you're probably never going to see them again. So if they judge you, you don't give a shit. <laughs> what you? <laughs> I think it was also the way they asked questions, like, straight to the point. It's not, we're not beating around the bush. Mm-hmm. We're having a drink. Where are you from? Bada bing, bada boom. So they can even just pop up and be like, so what's your sexual preferences? What are your religious beliefs? You know, like, uh, what do you think about this Trump guy? And then you go into a whole in-depth discussion and everybody's like chiming in and you get all these different political views from outside of the United States. And you're like, mm-hmm. what the hell? You know? So it's really interesting, and to me, some of those conversations were probably the most fruitful conversations I've had like in the past two years. But anyway, fast forward, I called Todd up. Todd, I met on Diani, and I said, Todd, where are you? He says, oh, I'm in Zambia, my, my cousin lives here. So I said, okay, I'm going to Malawi. Can you meet me in Malawi? He says, sure, I'll meet <laughs> you there in three days. Wow. I said, okay, I'll see you in three days. Hop on a flight, he takes it by road, We meet at the top of Lake Malawi, and that was that.
0: And that was that. And so how long did you stay in Malawi? Two months.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So Malawi was a whole debacle from the gate. So first of all, they're probably one of the poorest countries in Africa, Mm. in the world. Um, So transportation system, like just getting around is extremely challenging. But I have to say, I was blessed and I met the most amazing Airbnb host, And she was just amazing. So she helped me out with everything and how to get, it took me 28 hours to get from where she was to the damn northern point of Lake Malawi on a bus. And the bus broke down. There was a hospital stop. There was this, there was, it was a lot of stuff. So 28 hours later, (laughs) (laughs) Lena made it. Right. I stayed in Lake Malawi like I spent, I think, two and a half weeks on Lake Malawi with Todd. We got on a boat that took like two days to <laughs>
0: this is how What?
1: poor Lake Malawi, <laughs> how Mal- Poor how poor Malawi is basically. So they have this huge lake and there's an island in the middle of that lake. And the island is beautiful once you get there. But there's a boat that only goes once a week going, once a week coming back so if you don't catch that boat you're shit out of luck you're shit out of luck but there is a cargo boat that goes so what Todd and I did is we hopped on a cargo boat so this cargo boat was supposed to take five hours it took 12 because Mm. one of the engines was gone and me and me and boats we don't go together so Mm. so how'd you
0: how'd you deal with that what do you what do you do for 12 hours Mm,
1: lean over the side Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I got it. It wasn't. It it wasn't in. that bad. <laughs> but I was just like, I was not. I was not all there. I was in and out of sleep. I was like, no, this is not gonna work. So it took us 12 hours to get to the island, and then it took us 24 hours oh, on, on a 1950s boat. Like it was like one of those Titanic boats, a 1950s like Titanic boat called the Alala. And we took that boat from that island all the way to the southern coast of that. (laughs) What an
0: adventure. You finally get to where you're supposed to get to. What's that like?
1: So we're just kind of looking at each other like (laughs) we're in this. It's like a beautiful little cove. It's called Monkey Bay. And it was really nice. But it was like us and maybe three other people. And we were like, what the hell do we do here? You know the food was all right at the place but we said you know what we're gonna go we're gonna take a little bit of an excursion i think we stayed there like two nights and then we said we're gonna take a little excursion and go to like the touristy area which is called cape McClear. and we ended up spending a few days there where we we met some interesting people and i was like it's cool but i also i booked um what do you call it one of those workaway experiences you kind of go help out at a lodge something or you volunteer at a orphanage or whatever and they give you free stay and free food or whatever the case may be so i I had that experience scheduled in another part of malawi so i had to leave there by a certain time and so what what did you end up what what was your work away my work away (laughs) was not as i think i don't it wasn't fruitful (laughs) (laughs) please elaborate it wasn't fruitful um I was volunteering at a hostel, right, in Zomba, Malawi. And, you know, I had asked the woman, you know, I have digital marketing experience. What can I help you with? So I think she was a bit of a know-it-all. So she kind of belittled all of the ideas that I had. And I said, okay, this experience is looking a little bit too um, familiar. So I said, you know, what exactly do you need me to do? And she said, I just need you to talk to guests. So I said, cool talk to the guests. So that was my job for a full month. and just striking up conversation and because there's a lot of people like me, solo travelers um, who pass through and kind of who need resources. Mm, Um, And I came from areas where I think a lot of people travel from South to North and I came from North to South. So I had I think the beauty of this was I had a lot more information than the actual staff, right? So mm. when you're a Malawian living in Malawi, getting Malawi wages, you don't get to travel, right? Mm. You don't get to see your country fully. So I think that's one of the reasons why she appreciated having someone else around who knew the country. So she wasn't always, because she wasn't always there to divulge information. So it was, I was basically a, you know, So while it wasn't
0: fruitful for you, I imagine for the guests, it was very beneficial to interact with someone who knew what the hell they were talking about and had seen a thing or two.
1: Honestly, I think the most interesting part was I met, I met two people there. One was this uh, South African guy and one was a Japanese American woman and she's actually from New York. Mm. And her and I were conversing and we were there the same amount of time. Like we left at the same time. She was also volunteering. So since our job was to talk to people, right, mm-hmm. <laughs> we talked to people over a bottle of Malawi gin every no, night. No, no, that's right. <laughs> every night. Bottle of Malawi gin, me and Let's her, we talked to everybody tonight. night. So, and it's, it was interesting because she's from New York, lived and worked right around same two wow. block radius where I worked. And she's like, oh, you used to go to that bar? Oh, you used to go to that? You know this place? Look so it's was that. really interesting. Like I was like, how paths don't cross. but, And I think we had met in Nairobi at one point, but I didn't realize it was her. She was like, I think we met.
0: <laughs> so it sounds like your paths were destined to, to cross officially.
1: Yeah. So yeah, we spent, I think, a full month in Zombo, Malawi, hanging out. Talking to people, drinking a lot of Malawi gin, mm. um, so it was it was nice. Got a little bit of the, little bit of a taste of South Africa, from uh, the South African gentleman that was there. So okay. a lot of info. Climbed a mountain. A mountain. Um, what prompted and that? that when you're bored on the weekend, <laughs> somebody mountain and asks you, "Hey, you want to go climb that mountain with you?" Sure, let's go. Why not? So we spent three days on the mountain. Three days, two nights on a mountain. I was blessed to have gone with this um, wonderful Dutch girl. She had been like 23. She had, her name was Nicoline, the best displacement in a human being I have ever seen in my life. She was just so like, yeah, we gotta do it. We're gonna do it. Like everything was like very plain, positive, must proceed. That's it. Like there was no, you couldn't tell her we weren't getting up that mountain. It was just like, what do you mean? Let's go. That was it. And it wasn't like let's go, you know. Like yeah. if it was me trying to be the hype man, I would have been hella <laughs> aggressive, right? You've
0: met a I, lot of um, I say sh- wonderful people so far. Like mm. what a blessing. Mm. That's what probably ble- the
1: best part.
0: I mean, and when you think about going to other countries and traveling dolo, that's one of the things I would be terrified about. Who am I going to encounter? Will they have good intentions? You know, will I walk away from these experiences feeling fulfilled or will I feel like something was taken away from me? Like so many things would be going on in my brain about that. But you've you've kind of restored um, the faith in people in that sense when it comes to traveling.
1: This experience has restored my faith in people, hands down. I say there's two things that I kind of walked by. One, my energy determines how everything is going to turn out. My day like who I meet, what I eat, my energy determines that. And two, if it goes wrong, leave it where it is and move on. Tomorrow is another day. Mm. Tomorrow has to be good. Because to me, when you're at work every day, you kind of go through the motions. Like, you're like, oh, I know my boss is going to aggravate me. All this things just to me in everyday life, things just tend to be, you know, very intense. A lot of the times mm-hmm. but i think when you're given the opportunity to kind of fully plan your entire day it gives you the opportunity mm-hmm. to really like make or break like how things are going to turn out if i can wake up tomorrow it's going to be fine mm. i love that
0: we have five more countries to get through <laughs> <laughs> so much
1: how do we get to mozambique what's the thing that takes you there So I got super annoyed with the hostel owner in Malawi and my month was up and I said one day I was like I'm booking a flight and I'm out of here because going by road felt too risky and I really wanted to go by road because it was real cheap Mm -hmm. Um, but I booked a what would be expensive to me right now flight to Mozambique and I said I'm going to the beach I'm tired of Inland, I need mm. water. So I said, "Happiness by any means, baby." <laughs> <So> <laughs> That's what we do go after it, right? So yeah. I got on a flight. Okay. Was
0: it? How long was the flight from Malawi to Mozambique?
1: So I had to do an overnight stint in, in like Johannesburg mm-hmm. because where I wanted to go, there was only like flights out of Joburg. So I went straight to Vilankulos the morning after, and it was it was like flying into paradise, Ooh. flying into absolute paradise. Explain that. I think it was just white sand beaches. You're flying straight into Vilanculos, and you can see Bazaruto, like all those barrier islands. Mm. They look amazing, pristine, untouched. I was like, yeah, this is going to be good. This is, be good. <laughs> this is what we're doing. So yeah, I was, I was excited to see something different. I was actually also enticed by Mozambique because I wanted to go to a Portuguese uh speaking country. I think that was also a piece of it too. Like, I kind of wanted to travel Africa and see what the influence looked like based upon who colonized them, which is kind of quirky, but eh. but I mean, I love the place. The culture is beautiful. The people are super kind. I think I was also very apprehensive because a lot of them were just very much willing to like approach you and just kind of be a little bit more aggressive than I was used to. Mm -hmm. Um, But they were really nice. They were really, really nice. Like I think I had to take a step back and be like, hmm, like are these people I can trust or can I not trust them? But most everyone I met turned out to be super nice, super open. You know, I met a little bay there. Hey, I was gonna like it. Yeah, <laughs> How me yeah. occupy some of my time. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, what? So what's that like, right? Meeting Bay in Mozambique. How different is that than meeting Bay in New York?
1: <laughs> very different. You're talking to someone who hasn't dated in ages. Mm-hmm. Hello. Right. Um, but I don't know something about it. Maybe it must have been my energy, mm-hmm. but I was giving off of a lot of, you know, <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> a lot of good, good energy. But I, I think to me, African men, depending upon where you are, like mm-hmm. Kenyan, mm-hmm. not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're very much, oh, they want, hey, girl how you doing? You gonna get drinks tonight? (laughs) But I also found most people to be extremely respectful. Boundaries were kept, very sweet. He was so sweet. So, so sweet. He actually took me on like a date, a date Mm. date. He was a tour guide. So he does this tour in like the, they call it the Red Dunes. So there's an area of Vilan where the dunes are totally like this beautiful orange. And when the sun sets, they all turn red. And from the top of the dune, you get inland, this beautiful sunset. And then from behind you, you have like this beautiful view of the ocean. So he goes, yeah, we're doing a tour. I'm doing a tour. So you come, you're going to come. And I'm like, all right, well, how much is that going to cost? And he's like, no, no, just come, just come. It's fine. So we go, but it's just, I was like, we're, we're picking up people. Where are they? No, nobody. Just me and him. Takes me to the dunes, had the dunes to ourselves. What? Brought drinks and a cooler. It was just like the cutest, like very innocent show of like affection. And it was really nice to sit, watch the sunset, have a good conversation. That sounds gorgeous.
0: So how long did you stay in Mozambique?
1: So I think I stayed there like almost a month, like just shy of a month, maybe by like a day or two.
0: And so, was Bay a constant for the duration of your stay? No, because
1: no, <laughs> Bay couldn't be a constant. <laughs> <laughs> it was very sweet, but I think we all know, you know, yeah. when you're traveling, you want to meet nice people. It's great, it's a beautiful person, but just kind of had to leave Bay where he was. <laughs> did he?
0: Did he take it okay? No, he was it sorry. was. A, it was a mutual. Okay.
1: Um. Yeah, I just, I proceeded south because I think there was a little bit more south of Vila that I wanted to see. Yeah. So I just, I went there and I hung out there for another like week and a half by myself. That's some really nice people as well. I actually met someone that I met in Malawi there. On, so on coincidence. On coincidence. He said he wasn't going back and then he ended up back there that I was like, okay. <laughs> a marine biologist from Boston, I think it was. Hey, nice wow. Guy.
0: Okay. But yeah.
1: Interesting. There's some interesting folks out there in the world. <laughs> I,
0: I can imagine. I can imagine. All right. So next up is South Africa.
1: I just wanted to, I wanted to see it, see it for myself, you know, sure. Yeah. beautiful country. I wanted to understand it more like history, the people, like the news tells you such a different a, a story, you know, and it just feels like, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to understand and I wanted to, you know, walk through the history of myself and and speak to people about their opinions and see the beautiful landscape, experience the country and the culture. Like, I mean, South African culture, it's amazing. But what happened was (laughs) (laughs) Lena got to Joburg and didn't want to (laughs) leave. So Lena stayed in Joburg for three weeks. Oh, shit.
0: Okay. Right. What kept you there?
1: It was such a vibe. It felt like I was like, home, almost like when you're in Brooklyn and you're like at brunch mm. and happy hour. But like it's all brown people. Right. Right. <laughs> right that's a beautiful sight but also like in a lot of places like the the diversity of the population was just really beautiful it's the rainbow country you know Mm -hmm. like you Mm -hmm. you feel it but you also feel like this awkwardness of of divide as well and asking people like their honest opinions about what's going on in their government and like you know honest questions about like how they want issues to be solved about like jobs and things like this and what they wish was happening and even talking to expats that live there Wow. who also have opinions, you know, and they also, they also get a diff they have a different lens, you know. So to me, it was, it was super interesting just to be around people and have conversations.
0: And so maybe you were supposed to stay in Joberg. You weren't supposed to go mm-hmm. past that because it was a lot of, a lot of energy to capture there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was a lot. It was a lot. And some days like when you're traveling, I feel like some days you're just tired. You're yeah. just like, that's a lot of effort, and I don't want to go. And right. that's it. Freedom of choice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had to be back in Kenya. I don't remember why I had to be there, but I, I took a flight from Joburg to Nairobi. I think I I spent a lot of time at that point with one of my cousin who works for Kenya Wildlife Services. And um, I just piggybacked off of her work trips. And mm-hmm. we did, like, a lot of camping, a lot of hiking. So... Like most of the weekends were pretty robust and full of stuff. So, but I don't, I don't remember why, like I was there, but I think I was just there existing at that Mm. point and it felt okay.
0: Right. No reason necessary. Just Mm -hmm. that's where I am.
1: So what prompted your next country travel? Senegal. I mean... French country. I I have to say I was like really I was like I'm finding Bay in Senegal. God came down in (laughs) my dream and said Bay is in Senegal. (laughs) Okay, so we get to Senegal. Go. So we get to Senegal. It's hot as shit Mm. the way it's hot it's so hot but yeah I mean I took I took my time there I had a whole month I took my time I didn't do the whole country but you know I traveled north I was in Dakar and for some reason I was really you know I was on the internet internet perusing and I said you know what the fashion is here the art is here I love Senegalese music so I was just like I just want to I want to see where I want to see what the energy is so I was excited about that so I spent a lot of time in Dakar just woke up every day and was like we're going to the beach or we're going to a museum I need to eat so we're eating every (laughs) Senegalese dish possible but honestly the place where I stayed the people were really nice so some days I would just wake up and be like hey let's smoke an L and chill Mm. and have a conversation I felt super happy to be in a place where they had proper pastries if that's (laughs) a thing yo africans (laughs) suck at dessert so i was just happy i was like a baguette felt felt real it felt like a little bit of home so i spent about two weeks in dakar and then i traveled to (laughs) i traveled to the desert lampu okay um which was mission impossible senegal is an interesting country (laughs) because (laughs) people only speak french and their dialect. Wolof so yeah. and I don't speak either catching a taxi was tough it was nice because you could find people in some places that speak like semblance of English uh so it was interesting I mean from Dakar I hopped in like a seven-seater taxi little Peugeot it was mm. stuffed in the back with like some guy who's like 6'2 and his knees were like all over me <laughs> it was a mess it was hot <laughs> so we were in there for like five hours oh god We passed my stop. The guy's like, well, why didn't you tell me? I'm like, I was trying, but you don't understand (laughs) So he passes my stop by maybe like three miles. I had to take my, like I had like a little, I didn't have a backpack at the time. So I had like a little travel suitcase that I had with me. So I put it on the back of like a motorbike and I get on the motorbike and we're riding down the road and I'm like, man, my leg is, is, is hurting. Come to find out this dude's exhaust was exposed and burned my lake. So this is Africa, right? I had to get where I had to go. Uh, okay. <laughs> so I'm sitting, this is a very interesting experience in the desert, I have to say. So I'm sitting in, like they dropped me outside of this particular stop because the person from the hotel has to drive from the desert to come get me at this stop. So I'm sitting there, I'm sitting on my little rolly suitcase, chilling, taking off my sneakers, putting on my flip-flops. And the guy pulls up, hop in the car, I'm with like Four French people, right? I think it was like four of them. And when some guy jumps in the back, I'm like, who the hell is that? Oh, well, bye. He's Desert Bay, right? He turns <laughs> out to be Desert Bay. <laughs> he turns out to be Desert Bay for the next three days. Um, Love it. So, Love it. you know, it was also it was nice because this particular um, camp, it was like a tented camp. You stay in your own tent, it's very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and the staff was like really extraordinary. Um, and very inexpensive by the way Mm -hmm. so yeah it was just nice to like have someone else there to talk to because I feel like I would have gone mad but he was really nice guy he's a French dude he works for the UN okay okay he was a Caucasian he was there with his friend which was interesting and they were celebrating I think it was like their 25 years of friendship yeah it was interesting- it was like that's interesting, and apparently this friend was like a, a film producer and he had submitted a film for cons, but it didn't get accepted so he was mm. he was a little depressy, but the other guy was really nice, so it was nice to like have company because it was literally just the three of us in the in this tented camp, so we kind of sat around a fire and they had Guatemalan rum, and we were just chilling and drinking and it was a good experience like I actually ended up i flew to paris after. And he was there. So we ended up meeting up for dinner, which was nice. So it's like a little, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it's wild. It's kind of (laughs) wild. Well, I flew to Paris because I wanted to see one of my old colleagues, now a very good friend, got married and moved to France with her husband. So she lives in Paris. Got it. So I said, you know, let me figure out. It's very cheap to fly from Senegal to France, um, given the association. So I said,
0: hey, let me stop in and say what's up and desert bay follows you there or you guys had made plans to meet up
1: i think it was just coincidental that we were because we were talking about travel plans and that came up and then he said yeah i'll be there at that time
0: okay (laughs) so it it. worked
1: out nice little escapade senegal brought some good vibes (laughs) Mm -hmm. but i have to say the senegalese men are beautiful they're absolutely mm-hmm. perfect mm-hmm. in every way so I don't know man I think of all the the genres tall dark chocolatey Senegalese man is still in my future oh <laughs> like you go to the beach and you're just like <clears throat> what's happening <laughs> where is this heaven is this heaven this is what heaven looks like wow what? they're beautiful like I would convert to Islam
0: <laughs> for a man <honeymoon> like that <laughs>
1: please no (laughs) like for real i'll convert to islam for that stop playing (laughs) today today yesterday (laughs) (laughs) so
0: is saying goodbye to desert bay difficult when you now decide
1: to get to the next spot he was actually going in that direction and he said oh do you want to leave a day earlier and just ride with us and I was like no mm. and I stayed in the to camp the last night all by myself Ooh. I was the only guest why'd you decide not to and to stay I didn't want to because I felt like him and I were kind of like together for three days like his friend was there and then I said I feel like I'm interfering just go <laughs> mm. Mm. <laughs> go enjoy your friend like you know I he doesn't seem like he's in the best of spirits. Like, go be on your band trip. <laughs> Got it down. Right. You know? I said if inshallah, you know, if we're supposed to be god God willing, right? Inshallah. Like if, if we're supposed to see each other in Paris, we'll see each other in Paris.
0: And so how was that final night by yourself in the tent?
1: Uh, it was it was hectic, yo. A storm came. Oh shit. A, okay. It blew my tent <laughs> like a oh. tissue paper. What? I would... Mm -mm. they were like oh the storm like we're looking in distance and you know when you see the storm and the storm is like intense lightning pew 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 in the desert you can't see anything else but that so now (laughs) I see it and I'm like they're like no it's not coming this way and it does (laughs) full throttle I was sitting in the middle of my tent the water's coming in (laughs) yikes (laughs) I was sitting on the floor in the middle hugging a pillow, like, God, don't, <laughs> let me di- don't let me die in the middle of nobody's desert. Like, this is not in my future. I don't believe this. <laughs> but a guy, like, one of the, the dudes at work there, he came and he was really sweet. He was like, Lena, are you okay? Is everything? Like, he was asking me in French, like, ça va, ça va? Like, are you, right, is everything right, good? Like, are right. you okay? So I'm like, I'm good, I'm good. So he came and, like, redid my whole room. Like, he did everything, cleaned it up real quick and he was just like the storm passed you're good somebody will be you know outside of your tent all night you'll be okay don't worry so
0: how they were really symbolic mm, i could have left and not been in the storm yeah <laughs> but you you weathered the storm boo <laughs> you made right? it you made it truth and truth. so the next stop is morocco
1: yeah you i did a diddy it. France, home. I came back to New Jersey. Stop it. Okay. I did. I came after France I came back to New Jersey just because I something in my bones was like, I gotta go home and it was my brother's birthday. Mm. So I said, Let me surprise him. So I showed up and surprised him. Didn't nobody knew I was coming except one guy So I had one of my good friends pick me up and drop me over there during his birthday party. And um yeah, it was it was cool. He was all surprised, had a few tears. It was nice.
0: Oh, what a nice surprise. Uh,
1: yeah, that's my oh, favorite person, you know.
0: Mo- shout out to Moses, right? Yeah,
1: dope. big bro. He's
0: a, he's a dope human being for real. Uh, so how long did you stay in Jersey?
1: I stayed home for probably about four weeks. Okay, it was it was a solid month, you know. I figured spend Thanksgiving and then leave. I don't I don't know that I was supposed to leave again, but something didn't feel like I was quite finished. <laughs> mm. Okay. So, I think I have led with the predecessor that I want to I I came to this conclusion like not led with, but I came to this conclusion along the way that I don't want to go back home. <laughs> like I don't think if I don't give myself the opportunity to live somewhere else now, it's not going to happen. So I was like if I sit still for too long, I'm going to get real comfortable and yeah. fall back into old patterns. Norm. Yeah. Yeah, cuz it was like, I touched down. People were like, oh, you're here? Yeah, I got a job. This, that, you know? You should apply for this. Everybody sending me an email like, oh, i seen this. You should love it. And I'm like, I love my people. And I know they all just wanted me to stay. And they're mm-hmm. like throwing out all the recommendations. And, you know, it's beautiful. Like that that level of like love and support. Like, I don't, hands down, I'm not lacking. Yeah, not lacking. With people... I'm not lacking. But for some reason just in my bones I was just like, you know, if if I don't force myself now to at least like finish this journey off and and feel complete like and keep trying to figure out and keep my wheels turning on how I can possibly live elsewhere, then um I don't think I'm going to put the effort into it again later. So, I just said, let's go. Let's go again and you let's ended go. up in Morocco. I ended up in Morocco. I spent like couple days in Spain. I met up with Todd again, which was cool. Okay. And then, yeah, I went to Morocco. And Morocco is a, oh, Morocco's a beautiful country. Uh, it's a vibe. It, it's a vibe depending upon how you do it. Because mm. so How'd you do it? I feel like, so one, I'm going to say, I feel like people have kind of turned it into like a tourist photo op everywhere. But I think you kind of miss, you miss a lot in terms of actually getting to know like the people in the culture, if you don't stand still a little while without your camera in your hand, mm-hmm. trying to take Instagram photos. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I, I wandered around a lot by myself the first couple of days, like just, wandering through like the Jam Fana, like, which is the main like market center in Marrakesh. Like, I just found myself like, I'm going to go sit in a coffee shop and chill, read a book, see the sites, like just understand like the the tempo and like what's going on around me, you know? I feel like everything in the middle of Marrakesh moves so quickly that you're like, what is mm-hmm. happening? Everybody's looking for something. Everybody's buying something. Everybody's trying to sell something. Like if you don't slow down and like take it all in, it's it's a, it's a little overwhelming, you know? I could imagine. So yeah, I thought it, it was just nice to like sit on a rooftop and watch the sunset, see the sky just turn this luminous, red, orange, beautiful. Like it was amazing. I <laughs> I can't even describe it. Like Marrakesh was a vibe. Uh, I stayed there for a month. I went to the desert, you know, you do the Sahara. And then I took a train. I went up north and went to Chefchaouen, which is the blue city. And the blue city is really nice. It's It's kind of quaint and but the city like Shefshan when you go there like again it's one of those places like tourists love it like everybody's ready for a photo op at any point dressed to the nines. I'm like it's raining you know like what are y'all doing? (laughs) Having a whole photo shoot. You know here I am with my happy little umbrella and I'm like (laughs) it is what it is. But the place still felt so bright, like even on a, a gloomy day, it's like the way a color can change your entire mood or maintain a mood, regardless of what's going on around you. It was beautiful. Was there a Moroccan bay? No, there was no Moroccan bay. No, okay. um, there was. I had a friend. His name is Hamza. I met him when I was in Dakar in Senegal, and he's still studying. Uh, he's studying to become a a doctor Um, so I I don't know why he came I guess for whatever so him and I hung out a couple days when when I was in Dakar that was like my beach buddy so I felt kind of like fearless because I had a friend yeah so it was kind (laughs) of nice and he he speaks fluent French so he helped me out a lot in terms of like when we were trying to go places if we got lost or something like that together so super sweet guy awesome picture taker yeah when I got to Morocco like w- when we left he said you You'll just take my information when you come to Morocco make sure uh, you call me so I called him he actually met me in Marrakesh and he's the one that kind of helped guide me on like how to get around Morocco a little mm-hmm. bit and um, how to you know just places I should go and, and things I should do so it was nice to to have someone like even if he drove all the way from Casablanca like I don't even know how many hours it was but he drove from Casablanca to Marrakesh wow. just to hang out with me for like one night one day so it was really nice
0: what a blessing
1: um, yeah like there's what I have to say is like there's just always this reoccurring yes like people that are meant to stay stay and they continue to kind of replicate themselves along your journey which mm. is really nice uh, it was it was I had, I'm lucky. I, I'm blessed. I'm super blessed. I'm I think it has a lot blessed. to
0: do with also the energy that you exude that comes back
1: to you in however form,
0: in whatever yeah. form. I try. I try. That's <laughs> all you could do. That's all you could do. Okay. So we're finally at the home stretch of the last country.
1: <laughs> yeah. I will say this. Uh, my last lake, I spent Christmas in a beach town called Esauira in Morocco and it's beautiful like I don't think I've met or had such an amazing time on a holiday where you're supposed to feel like sad because you're not with your family and like there was all these things like I felt like I was supposed to feel and I didn't feel any of them you know Mm. Yeah. yeah and I'm like it's Christmas and I'm like I yes I miss my family but I was just like I felt like I had my own little my own little family there And it was just super nice to kind of um, cook with people and sit down and have a meal, smoke an L and have a drink and like Mm. sit on a rooftop and watch the sunset. It felt right. It felt super right. And it's funny because the owner of that hostel, he's half Tanzanian and half French, right? And he ends up in Morocco, clearly because of his French side. Mm -hmm. Um, So he comes up to me and he just starts talking to me in Swahili and I'm like,
0: I was like, what? what?
1: Like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, Lena. My mom's from Tanzania. i like, what? <laughs> I was like, yo, this is a small world, bro. Yeah, but it's it was nice because you kind. He's like, yeah, we maybe we can make like a Swahili dish. So he conjured up something and like on Christmas, and I was just like, yo, this is so cool. Uh, it was just so cool.
0: That was meant to be. You being there that day, that holiday, that was supposed to happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but that's, that's Morocco in a nutshell. (laughs) I think I, I, (laughs) I ended Morocco on like the best note, great people, like, can't be mad.
0: So what takes you to Spain? Well, Spain happened before Morocco. Ah, okay.
1: Spain happened before Morocco. That was just on like a, I needed to stop over because it was cheap. Gotcha. Like the ticket was so cheap if I stopped over in Spain. So I just did it. And Todd was there. So it just worked out.
0: So... Lena before embarking on this journey was looking for something or purpose. Lena post journey, do you think she found it? Was the journey of self-discovery fulfilled or is it still in the making?
1: Um I think it's still in the making, honestly. I think this this was something it was it was something I wanted to do because I wanted to do something bold like I think the question like people ask you questions hey what's your passion Uh, what's your purpose like shit like that and I'm like yo man to me that's such like a broad stroking question yeah I just don't know I can't wrap my head around it because I'm not it's like I can't say I'm an artist or I'm a writer and and I love doing that and I love doing it all day like that's just not me yeah one thing I have come to learn about myself is that I'm just a jack of all trades Mm. like I can do a little bit of everything so I think the only thing that I I sought to do was just do something bold do something for myself do something that was quote-unquote against the rules right like I'm I'm 35 years old I'm supposed to be married kids house bang bang like you name it there's things that I thought that would happen in life that just they didn't happen you know, so I'm like, what am I gonna do? Sit around and be mad? No. <laughs> nope. No, 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 no. No. The one thing, like I said in the beginning of this, like, I fear a lot of things, right? But the one thing I really do fear is regret. I do not want to regret this life. If I die tomorrow, right now, if God said me, me you not know, waking up tomorrow, I'm good. Hands down. Hands down, I'm good. Wow. I made my peace. I'm good with all my people. I don't have any hate in my heart, you know? I just, I feel good about where I am. But I don't think I I ventured on this journey because I was lost. I'm not lost, I know who the hell I am. (laughs) You know? Yeah. I know who I am. I think there are things that that I did lose. I think I lost a little bit of my voice and how to, and how, how, I guess, how I want to deliver my messages, how I want to communicate who I am you know? It's one thing to know who you are, but I think it's another thing to be able to share that and mm. to be able to communicate that with the people around you. So I think maybe that's kind of the the level of self-discovery that, that I'm trying to get at here, you know? Because what's life if you can't share something?
0: Exactly. What What is it for? Because mm. one of the many things I've learned from my dad is leave a legacy behind whatever that means to you, whether it's oh. through words, whether it's mm-hmm you know, through business, through wealth, through whatever, but just leave a, leave a stamp.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, you bring up a good point, the expectation of being married and having a kid. And that's also legacy, but for mm-hmm. the, the, the women or the woman that that's not really a priority, how do you leave behind a legacy? Mm-hmm. So what is your
1: message or messages? My messages. Oh, ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> My messages. I mean, I think my one message is you can be scared, but at the end of the day, you can push through. We have the ability to do anything we want. And I think what I realized as a first generation American, right? I've been given a lot of opportunity and you can't waste it. You can't waste time trying to, I think, live up to other people's expectations or society's expectations do whatever the hell you want and things will come to you bigger and better than I think you ever imagined and I think lastly the other day I wrote I wrote something down and I said I was having a conversation with Wangoi. and you know I think we're we're in at an age where we're like we single damn you go to these (laughs) pain when is he gonna come all this other stuff and I think as I've moved through like, this journey, it's just come like, to allow me to appreciate my people more. The men, the women, the aunts, the uncles, mm. everyone. My friends. So it put, it put a spin on love for me, right? I like, woke up one day and I said, you know what, everybody's crying about love. Like, yo, my <laughs> life is a, I wrote down literally, my life is a love story. My failures, my successes, all of my accomplishments, all the scars. It, it, it's all a love story. And, and the reason why is because I have been lucky enough to come across awesome people and to be blessed with awesome people, ones I didn't choose, who want to see me win, mm. who want to see me happy, you know? And it's like, no matter where I have been, if I've had a good day or if I've had a bad day or, you know, today day has been just indifferent. Those people always have words of encouragement, regardless of where I am on the spectrum. You good? All right, we're going to be great. You're not doing so good? All right, tomorrow's going to be better. Whatever it is, there's always a level of just constant support, encouragement, and love. Like, So I'm not lacking, like I said. Mm -hmm. And I think if you think of your life in that way, it just takes a load off. You know, yeah it takes an extreme load off, so whatever else comes your way you can't you can't be mad at it
0: and did you have that same way of thinking prior to travelling, and that's just something that's kind of evolved over the last two years or is this something new that kind of cultivated out of travelling
1: I think it kind of it kind of cultivated itself out of travelling because I think before this, I was, like, a single bitter Betty. (laughs) Not a bitter Betty. (laughs) Well, yeah, not not bitter per se, but, like, you're just like, oh, like, why? Like, you know, you do one of those all the time. And, like, I think you kind of see most people in your life progressing in a certain direction, and you become like, oh, damn, that's just not happening for me. Like, you just kind of ask, like, what? Like, why? Why is that? But I think I just stop asking my why against everybody else. And I I had to start asking my why against myself. And I think also in traveling and being far from your people, gives you a lot of time to think about them individually, like what they offer Mm. and what they bring to the table. And I think once I did that, it wasn't even about like saying, okay, this is, they're good, this is bad. It was like really just having an appreciation moment, solid appreciation moments about everyone. And I was just like, yo. And then I had the, I sat down one day and I text mad people. And I said, yo, what do you think I bring to the table? Like literally was asking people, like, I'm, I'm a feedback human being. Like if you don't give me feedback, then we don't, we're not really in a relationship. Right? right. So I had this moment where I was just like, yo, what do I bring to the table for you? As a friend, as a cousin, as a sister, as a daughter, mm. tell me like, even as a colleague, like a former colleague, like, what do you feel like I bring to the table? Like, I realized that what I thought about them, what they think about me. And that's how I knew. I was like, you know what? The people I have, I'm good with.
0: That's a really, really powerful statement. Thinking about what people bring to the table and then in turn, what you bring to the table and these people. Folks are not asking that that sort of question. That's not even the forefront of their mind. So mm-hmm. I think you, you definitely... Um, ended that on a really really powerful note Nina. i think you are a brave and curious human and uh i love those two things together and those two things go hand in hand as it relates to conquering the unknown mm, day you. by day you gotta be sure. otherwise you won't hop on a fucking plane to go to anybody's country or you won't make mm-hmm. the next move to find what drives you so thank you thank you for sharing your incredible story. I appreciate you taking out the time to join me on this
1: episode. Any last words on your part? Listen to Ellen, the great podcast. Hey! <laughs> hey. <laughs> she's she's dope miss, you know? She is, I think she's going to bring a lot of enlightening ideas to the table. I think she's, she's a share, and that is, to me, that's bravery. That's mm-hmm. the ultimate bravery. So you keep Thank doing you what go. you're doing. Thank
0: yeah. you. Thank you. And do you mind sharing your IG or that's, that's a, a secret?
1: Oh, no, it's not a secret. We open. Okay. Um, the IG is at the number one letter n the word only lena lena bobina or you could just type in lena and i'll probably show up somewhere there you go that might yeah. be easier
0: all right my dear um again thank you uh, i know it's late there i don't know what you're about to to do before. i'm staying
1: up for bounty killer versus <laughs> oh beanie man right. <laughs> yeah oh shit okay so i'll see you at the party all right girl
0: all right. Thanks for having to me. You. Thank you for, for being here. I appreciate you and I love you. Love you too. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Ellen the Great Podcast. Please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And for more information and social media links, visit my website at ellenthegreat.com. Till next time.